0: At the core of what I do is I I uncondition people. I create. I I don't teach really my real gift. Yeah, I write books that have been bestsellers and I do videos and what have that's all fun and fun and beautiful. But what I really do, my real gift is I create experiences and processes that help people unravel the patterns and the layers of their conditioning and truly heal so that they can access the essence, their true nature, the the freedom, the truth of who they are that's often been covered up underneath layers and layers and layers of conditioning to help people connect with that through a actual process experientially and live that
1: fully and freely in the world. All branding is personal, and it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Repu, copywriter, comedian, and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven figure stories and their next figure goals. Let's hit the brand voice runway. Hitting the Brand Voice Runway today with me is Coot Blackson. Coot Blackson is a transformational teacher, speaker, visionary, guide, and a national bestselling author of You Are the One and The Magic of Surrender. And we're going to talk to him about both of those books and how he serves his audience today on Brand Voice Runway. Coot, welcome very much to the show. Thank you for being on.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It's fantastic mm-hmm. to to have you on as a guest. I've been very taken by some of the stuff that you that you present, you know, and it it's got me thinking, you know, how does one motivate other people? It's an amazing thing to take on. In other words, you know, yeah. to say I'm going to go out there in front of all these people mm-hmm. and I'm going to get them to do something for themselves or to how do you come to that
0: how do I come to that? You know, you, yeah, when you say it that way, I guess it is kind of a a thing to take on. Right. Um, I, I never thought about it that way. Because as a young boy, uh, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. And as a young boy, I always felt a... Mm, I, I was a very empathetic kid, and I just felt people deeply. And right. There was always a part of me that just wanted to... I wanted to help people, I wanted to, I felt people, I wanted to alleviate suffering in some way, you know? I was always a people person and always encouraging people. And so as a kid, I had a bit of an unusual childhood in that I didn't know it was unusual. In that, a bit of backstory, like my first memories as a young boy was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so I guess we could call that a miracle. Week after week, with my own eyes, I would see a blind person, see a deaf person, hear the same man who stands. she picked up would look at a woman, woman in a wheelchair and say, stand up, or hey, throw your crutches away. This man was my father. And so I got to see behind the scenes. And he had 300 churches in Ghana, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, so quite a big operation. Had a huge church, which would probably now be considered like a mega church, had a huge church. In London, about four to 5,000 people every Sunday. And so I grew up in this environment, you know, of my father was very inspirational. My speaking career began at age eight because my father threw me into the audience one day and said, speak. And I I,
1: I was going to ask you about that, because I had read that you spoke before thousands of people at eight years old. And I was like, okay, I have to find out about that. Okay, so was that your father's church?
0: It was my father's church. And, you know, I wish I could say I was some specially talented kid. But the truth is, I was more interested in playing soccer. And I would play soccer in my in the lobby of the church and break things, which didn't look too good. So they <laughs> they hijacked me, put me on the front row, and I'd fall asleep. And all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder one day. Speak. And they throw me on stage, speak. And I don't really know what happened, but you could say words started coming out of my mouth and something started flowing. And that began my relationship with speaking in front of people and communicating and motivating people in some way, in some inspirational way. And people seemed very inspired. And every month, every six weeks, every few months, my father would throw me in the audience and say, speak. And so that began this sort of conscious relationship. And I would sneak into my father's office. And he had about a 1000 books on his bookshelf. And I would I became obsessed with just trying to understand life and the purpose of life and why we're here. You know, I was eight, nine, 10 years old. And I began reading books from Shakti Gawain, Creative Visualization, Stephen Covey, Tony Robbins, Louise Hay, Brian Tracy, Deepak Chopra, Marion Williamson, Wayne Dyer, you know, Dennis Whaley, Jim Rohn as a kid. And this became my inspiration. These were my, uh, heroes. And these were my peles, you know. And so as I started reading these books, you could say I started getting a sense, wait, wait a second, you mean I don't have to do it through the church or religion? Maybe there's a different way to inspire people. And these guys were, you know, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen. They were inspiring, motivating people through through seminars and books and chicken soups and And so that opened my eyes to a new possibility as a young boy in my teens. And and that's when I felt a calling in my soul of like, wow, I would have, I would sneak into my father's church around 11, 12 years old. And we lived behind my father's church in an apartment that was attached. And I would sneak into the church in the middle of the night, 10, 11 o'clock with the lights off and imagine this 11 year old kid, I would give seminars to the empty chairs imagining uh, in the pitch black, and I would imagine thousands of people in the room. And I was motivating and inspiring these people. And, you know, I'd read these books and I'd be giving these lectures that I would make up. And so it became for me, a, I don't know, a passion, a calling. It, it, it was like something bigger than me that I can't explain because no one else in my school or in my class were was into this stuff. And so when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister. Uh, it wasn't really my choice. My father said, "You're getting ordained. Yeah. You're gonna t- you're gonna take over." And I knew in that moment that this was not my path. This was not my destiny. But I'm 14. I was too afraid to say anything to speak my voice. And so it took me about four years to to muster the courage to have that conversation with my father. And I basically decided to renounce everything, leave everything behind, and come to America and find the teachers and mentors and authors and motivational speakers. And that's when I knew I wanted to go into this field and motivate people. But honestly, it was like a calling in my soul. And I often say that sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't make sense to your mind. What your soul guides you to yeah. do is inconvenient. It's not comfortable. But when you listen to your soul, you're all, you will always be guided in the right direction, in the right place. And so that's what I chose to do, man. I It was just a saying yes to my soul and a desire to inspire and motivate. And that's what brought me to the U.S. And I went and found many of these folks and learned from them and came to the U.S. at 19 years old, with eight, 18 years old with $800. And that's what began my journey.
1: That that What's fascinating, Coot, is that moment of having to leave behind this immense kind of You know, you're going to succeed me. You're going to lead the church. You're going to because having the ability to speak or even the inspiration to speak, you know, if it were just about that, then Mm -hmm. it was all set up for you. You had the church, you had the establishment, you had the audience, you know, it's like taking over the Tonight Show in the religious realm. And it's like you're the heir apparent. So why wouldn't you do it? It It reminded me when I was a kid, and we would go to synagogue my dad wasn't a rabbi in the in the synagogue but you know he was a very you know connected devout man to his faith in it that, you know, they would let certain kids go up and lead certain services. And I was a natural oh, performer, man. but I was always reluctant to uh, lead the service because I felt like, uh, you know, that's like serious business. This is I'll go be in a play and be a yeah. scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz, but I'm not going to like you know, get up <laughs> there with God because that yeah, that's man. too, you know. So I appreciated the difference, you know. And what I think is really at the core of your brand, you know, we talk about like the personal brand and the message of what you bring to what you do is that pivotal moment where you had to summon the courage because, and and this is the next thing that I want to get into about what you do, is that courage is the thing that makes the difference in the sense that you had the courage to leave all that stuff behind that. You know, air apparent kind of thing was not your thing, and you knew that it wasn't. That wasn't what you were doing in the dark, in that empty space. Yep. It wasn't the audience that you were, that you were uh, looking for. And so, when when you were when it was time to turn the lights on, so to speak, you went to America and pursued something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that you uh, really help people with is leaving their past mm-hmm. behind. Right. So, to, to share a little more about finding your mission and finding the people who you needed to impact.
0: Well, you know, when I came to the US, I went and found all of these folks that I read about. Um, many of the famous authors that you you know, we all know, right. I went and found them, went to the seminars, harassed them, knocked on their doors, you know, knocked on their houses, found their houses. I mean, if I tell you some of the stories, it's kind of funny. Like, I literally found these people and showed up unannounced and learned from some of them, and it was a, a real blessing. And I, I would say that part of my true calling found me because when I was 19, 20 years old, I wanted to do a, I wanted to launch a, a TV show, because I, 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 you know, I came to LA, but I didn't know that right. this was the mecca of Hollywood, and right. I, I had right. no idea, no interest in being anything other than motivational guy. But then I saw Oprah and the Oprah Show, and Ricky Lake and Montel Williams. I'm like, maybe there's a way I can have a talk show for the new generation, and I became literally obsessed. For two years, went broke and homeless doing it, but I became obsessed with trying to launch a new generation talk show that would sort of merge spiritual and and and, and entertainment together for the new generation. And I went and found, I went and found Steven Spielberg. I went and found, you know, all billionaires in Hollywood. I went and tracked down the head of William Morris, CAA, ICM, knocked on their doors. I got rejected hundreds of times. And I remember I found these managers They managed Michael Jackson, Barbara Streisand, Jennifer Lopez, Backstreet Boys, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mariah Carey. And I, I heard of these guys because they were leaving this legendary manager, starting their own company. And I'm like, these are my guys. I wrote to them. They gave me a meeting miraculously. And I pitched them. And for the first time in a meeting, these two guys looked at each other and they're like, we believe you we're going to make you a star. And I and I saw all of my dreams about to happen, right? I'm like I'm seeing it. Like everything I've been working for for 2 years and at this moment I had like $33 in my bank account. And they said, "Here's a contract. Come back tomorrow. We're going to take you to, you know, Fox and Disney and we're going to start 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 some meetings and pitching and crafting." And I went home and like everything, I meditated on it. And in my meditation, all I got was a very clear no. Now, this was the same feeling I got that guided me to leave my father's church, to come to America, that guided me to enter a green card lottery where I won a green card. So I know this feeling is always usually accurate. And so here I was, and I got a no. And I was so, like my, my ego was so mad and pissed off and upset. I'm like, what the hell do you mean? And I thought, you know, whenever I don't listen to this, things don't go well. So I said to these guys... I'm not signing with you. They went ballistic in Hollywood style, and I went into a deep depression and a deep funk because I felt so frustrated with God and the life and the universe. I'm like, "What the hell do you want from me?" You know. And and so yeah. it was months. It was months after that that I decided to put everything in storage. This is another moment where my life shifted. The trajectory of my life shifted, and I probably would not be here and have done what I've done had I not taken this directive where I shaved my head, took a backpack, broke up with my girlfriend. And I said, I'm not coming back to America until I find answers for myself. I'm tired of reading the books. I'm tired of reading these self-help books. I want to know truth for myself. I want to know my purpose for my own being. And I traveled. I ended up walking the Camino, 900 kilometers. Oh yeah, yeah. in In Northern Spain. And then I met someone there that said, go to India. And I ended up going to India for four months. And it was my time in India that cracked me open to another dimension of truth, a real sense of who I am, a real sense of my true purpose. And when I caught that vision, I was guided to come back to the US, guided to come back to LA. You know, I gave up. Honestly, I gave up all ambition in that time. Like for someone that was so driven, it's like I said, God, if you want me to clean the streets and be a street cleaner, I'll do that but just freaking make it clear what I'm here to do. Like like I I will do what is mine to do, but make it clear because I don't know anymore. You know, there comes a moment in your life where you've gone as far as your ego can take you. And you've come to the edge of your ego's capacity to manifest your life. To me, that is the beginning. That is the beginning of that next level. And so I was guided back. And then I came back to the U S as a young kid and, began working with people one-on-one. One One person showed up, another person showed up. And I didn't care about money, branding, marketing. There was no social media. I didn't give a damn. I just wanted to help people. And it was out of, the for me, the sincere, pure desire to make a difference in someone's. I felt so free. I I felt so free. Like I had no money. I had no job. I had no faith. I had nothing. But I felt freaking free. And the freedom I felt was not based on anything external. I just felt happy. And I wanted everyone to feel what I felt, like what is what is true freedom that is an inner experience? And so one person came, another person came, and slowly I began to craft, develop a methodology I called an uncoaching of working with people that people would come and they would transform and I would help people unravel layers of their conditioning, basically kind of like a condensed version of my own journey but i took people through in a very intentional way and in lives transformed and i got better at doing that and people came from around the world and honestly organically people started showing up word of mouth because of the results that were produced and it started growing and growing then smaller groups and larger groups and larger groups and you know here we are
1: so. well well why well, the reason that is so interesting is because I was going to ask you, I had written down the word skepticism, because a lot of us have a skepticism of motivational speakers or coaches or celebrities, you you know, yeah, yeah, and rightly so. But a lot of the people whose books we've read and all those things, we... I know I do. Every time I go into one of those books, I'm skeptical. Yeah. So I'm not reading the books because I'm a believer. I'm reading the books because I want to see whether there's anything mm-hmm. to it. And sometimes there is, and sometimes I find there isn't. Mm-hmm. And the journey is like that, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I was going to ask you when you came out and to at Los Angeles, when you met all those people or pursued those people yeah. and then had that meeting where you know anyone who goes to LA dreams of that meeting right including yourself dream of that meeting okay I'm gonna I can do now do anything I want they're telling me I can write my own ticket I'm gonna have a show I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and you can have all the well-meaning kind of inclinations it's not I'm gonna rob a bank I'm gonna do this you know you're doing what you thought was your thing other than the meditative aspect of it what do you think drew that line in the sand for you where you said no what do you think was wrong or missing was it knowing yourself was it that that you hadn't yet done that journey
0: you mean when i said no to the opportunity managers yeah to look i'll be honest it was just the intuition yeah. And it was simply now looking back I, I I'll let you know my thoughts but in the moment it wasn't anything other than this feeling I feel has never really guided me wrong. Right. It's what it's what kind, it's the same feeling I felt when my father said you're going to take over my church. Right. And it was like this doesn't feel right, you know. You know you know when you go into a store to try out some clothes. And it looks quite good and you you put on that outfit, the suit or the shirt and it's like If I don't like stretch, then I guess it can fit. If I don't like (laughs) bend, if I don't like put my arms up, then yeah, it kind of is a fit. And you're trying to convince yourself, but it doesn't quite fit. It was was kind of like that. Just something didn't fit. And then winning this green card in the green card lottery, like something said enter, it was that same feeling. And so for me, it was just a simple sense of something is not right. Something isn't right here. I can't tell you why. Now, years later, I mean, a lot of these guys were exposed as managers and proven to be this and that and what have you. But in the moment, all it was is something is guiding me. When I don't follow this, things tend to not go well. But when I follow this, things happen. And so all I know is there's a feeling, there's a resonance that I have endeavored. You know, I almost felt cursed at times because I wish I didn't have to follow it. But, But when I follow it, I found in the long run, I always end up in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And I think years later, I was able to look back and I was like, thank God that it didn't happen. Like, thank God for the prayers that weren't answered. Because in Mm -hmm. the moment, we're not able to see the whole picture. We're not able to understand how everything fits together. Because I see that looking back, yeah, I probably wasn't ready my ego my personality I was 19 20 years old still very ripe still very 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 innocent not understanding kind of how things work and so I probably I would had I gone down a certain road I probably would not have gone so deep into my own spirituality I probably would not have gone to the levels of healing that I that I was forced to go to because I just I went in a whole different direction yeah and I think that all of that, prepared me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychically, psychologically, developmentally to 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 kind of align so that I could do the work that I've been doing over the last years. You know, and so I'm really, I'm really grateful now that I see I see why I was guided otherwise. Now, could it have gone differently? Maybe, but I feel grateful that I listened.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think it, it rounded out what you were called to, to do. Yeah. And now we can kind of dive in a little bit. You mentioned like, you know, branding, marketing, all those uh-huh. things. One of the things you've opened a door to is, well, without the substance, without the awareness even, it's not even that you wouldn't have inspired people or you wouldn't have had something to give. It's that without this enlightenment and awareness – that you brought back with you, the brand, so to speak, might have faltered and not really been in, you know, but at some point in order to bring that to people, we Mm. do have to start to market and brand and do stuff, you know, websites and and PR Mm. and whatever, because otherwise people don't. Mm. People, either people don't hear about us, the people that we're really trying to reach don't hear about us, because yeah. we can't guarantee that we're, we know we're not for everybody, but mm-hmm. we can't get to the people. So how, so you described a little bit about how it kind of, you know, yeah. snowballed and started to grow. Yeah. Um, but But how do you balance the need to kind of grow what you're building with the kind of you know business pressures and, Look, for and me, brand for, pressures for, and things for, like for,
0: that? For me, I grew it very organically, I'm going to be honest. And my way, maybe not everybody's way, and how I do it from this moment onwards may be very different than how I've done it, You know, just based on the phase I'm in, the stage I'm in, the stage of development and the evolution of my expression and purpose in the world. Uh, I would say for the first years, I didn't care about branding. I didn't care about marketing. There was no social media. I just wanted to help people. And for me, you could say my brand as a coach was built from pure authenticity and purely producing real, authentic, radical transformation for my clients. And it was from the crazy word of mouth that my one-on-one grew. It was just like, Word of mouth. And you can say my brand was built because I wouldn't take on everybody. I wasn't someone you could just hire. I would only work with people that were really committed. I would screen people. I would interview people. I would I became known as the guy that would turn people away. And so by the time people yeah. showed up at my doorstep, they were like when they were and I was referral only. You couldn't just pay me. You had to make a serious kind of commitment of time, energy, what have you. And so by the time people showed up, they knew that. I was the real deal. They knew that I really cared. They knew that I was committed to transformation. And so that core, you could say, DNA, you know, of my brand, of my commitment was, has just evolved and expanded into even when I do the larger seminars now or, or the retreats or what have you, people know that for me, it's, it's, I'm no bullshit. It's yeah. no fluff. I'm not going to fluff people up and tell them lies to sell them a bunch of stuff that really doesn't work i'm going to tell people the truth and if people can deal with the truth then they can evolve and i'm going to give people a proven pathway and so firstly it just grew and evolved naturally i'll give you an example and even in 2010 i met with a very 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 high level self-help publisher I met with the CEO and he said, I've heard about your one-on-one crazy, one-on-one, you know, transformational like results, even as one-on-one people have heard about it. And he said, I know you want to write this type of book, but I want you to write about your coaching and a methodology. And it didn't feel right, you know? And I looked at the CEO and I said, what's the point of writing about a 17 step, four step, five step methodology of transformation, because information is not enough to transform people's lives. So I never compromised myself for money. And I never compromised, like what everyone else was just jumped on a bandwagon of the secret, everyone else jumped on a bandwagon of something else. I always just dared to stay true to what was real, what was authentic. And I didn't take any shortcuts to as a gimmick to just talk about a hot trend or topic that everybody was talking about because it was popular. I just followed my soul and followed my truth. And so for me, integrity has been a key. And I think a brand with integrity, your clients, your audience, people will feel it, you know? People will feel the truth of it. And for me, I always, I never saw people's evolution People's growth as business, as a client, when somebody would come to me to work with me one-on-one or in a group or in a retreat, it's like they're entrusting me with the growth and the evolution. They weren't just numbers that I needed to hit or a client or a sale. They were like, what is more sacred than someone trusting you with their evolution? And so for me, I, I always right. took that very, 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 very seriously. And so I think I built something organically that people trusted. People trusted that I gave us damn people trusted that I really cared and people trusted that they could feel that I was in it for the right reason they were that I was in it for truly serving people's evolution and that's all it's been for me and it's just grown from then obviously I've created so so in terms of the book I turned down this opportunity because it, it didn't feel right and then I I remember from 2010 to 2015, I just started to grow my brand and build online a bit more and be more visible. And I just organically grew my audience, uh, sharing a message of inspiration and simplifying certain concepts so that it was more digestible to uh, a, a more broad group of people and people that wanted more could go deeper with me. But it was in 2015 that I had built something that was respected enough where publishers came after me. And I remember when I went into to pitch my book, we had five meetings with the biggest publishers in the world. And the the book, the first book, you are the one went into a bidding war, uh, literally, and I got a multi, multi, multi six figure book deal, because I built something that was respected and felt authentic and felt true and felt real. And so I have never compromised just to make money, just for fame, just for likes. I speak for me, from my heart, what's true. And I think that people feel it, you know, people feel it.
1: Yeah. And it's the essence of, like we were saying before, it is the essence of your brand. It is what you are encouraging others to do. Not so much, it seems, not so much like, you know, don't be driven by money. That probably is good advice for any person in general, but, you know, being driven to want what they want is their personal choice. But- to listen to that voice, yeah, to find that voice. Would you say that that's kind of at the core of what you do is to access their inner freedom? No, what it,
0: what 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 is at the core of what I do is I I uncondition people. I create. Oh, okay. I, I don't teach. Really, my real gift. Yeah, I write books that have been bestsellers, and I do videos, and what I have that's all fun and fun and beautiful. But what I really do, my real gift, is I create experiences and processes that help people unravel the patterns and the layers of their conditioning and truly heal so that they can access the essence, their true nature, the the freedom, the truth of who they are that's often been covered up underneath layers and layers and layers of conditioning to help people connect with that through an actual process experientially and live that fully and freely in the world and so i don't really teach i unteach more than anything and, and <laughs> i and, like that and so yeah i write books but that's not what i really do what i really do is the deep healing work that helps yeah. people unravel the layers of
1: condition. right and the books are a tool the books are a yes the books are, are a, a yeah, beginning the books are, are beginning. you could
0: say in terms of a brand like i wrote the books very simply you know i wrote the books very simply and easily to just provide an entry point to have a conversation. So you could say branding, yeah. The real essence of my work is not the books, but I intentionally wrote the books simply enough to inspire people to get into the conversation, to go a bit deeper with themselves and enter into my
1: work. If you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast the positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow greater than today.